because of foreign wars we wage More to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government They tell me where the Constitution went The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border Politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got to be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damned Right to self-defense They say you're safe but they don't make sense Dangerous one will not turn into guns All we need to know is that broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I'm your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee, and happy to be with you, of course. Uh, it is, uh, for those of you listening to the rebroadcast, uh, time of the live broadcast, it just so happens to be March the 9th, it is 2021, it's a few brief moments after 7 p.m. Eastern, and uh, we've already got Chief, host of Simple Facts of Life, hanging out with me in the chat room, uh, even before the title song from Matt Fitzgibbons was done playing. Uh, in fact, if you like that and some of the other Matt Fitzgibbon tunes that you hear on a fairly regular basis here, please go visit PatriotMusic.com, uh, hang out, let them know I sent you, if you decide to buy something there, definitely let them know I sent you. I'm not going to get you a discount or anything. I just like for him to know I'm still sending people in his direction. You know, that, that's all. All right, I am scheduled uh, for the full two hours tonight uh, right here at BTR, which is where we're broadcasting from. And I have two separate guests scheduled for tonight. And if all goes well, and of course that means I'm crossing my fingers, I'm lighting some candles, I'm saying a little prayer. We will have them uh, on with us uh, first, bottom of the first hour, scheduled to be joined by Mr. Lucas Miles. Now, Lucas Miles is uh, the host of the Lucas Miles Show as well as co-host of uh, the uh, Christian Boys, and he is just 
so super active. He's a pastor. He's constantly working in ministries, and uh, he's a an author as well. Uh, recently written a brand new book, The Christian Left: How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. So I'm looking forward to our uh, conversation there, where we'll talk about that topic in general, and we'll cover uh, major points from the book. You know, just the effort to try and entice you to go pick up a copy. And uh, if you're at Blog Talk Radio, uh, in the show description, there is a working link that will take you to Amazon where you can pick up a copy if you are so interested. I highly recommend you do so. Uh, I've been kind of going through the book. I didn't get a chance to read it in depth. I was trying to do a little rush thing to get ready for the show, and I looked at – preview copy and i'm i'm impressed with uh, his effort to try and unify christians regardless of where their political affiliation lies so uh, it's it's an interesting and a challenging book i i uh, highly recommend you to take a gander at it if you are concerned with where the christian church seems to be going also at the bottom of the second hour i'm very excited to be Scheduled to be joined by uh, Miss Jennifer Kearns. Now, uh, Jennifer, of course, you probably have seen her at some time or another on Fox News, uh, and uh, she is now the host of her very own nationally syndicated show, All American Radio, with Jennifer Kearns. Big surprise. Uh, link to the website, uh, publisher, allamericannews.com, also in the show description. Uh, primarily, we'll be talking about Governor Andrew Cuomo, uh, her takes on that, but I have a feeling we'll probably touch on a topic or two other than that. Uh, we'll see how long I can uh, wrangle her on because a very busy, very busy person. We'll be lucky to get 15, uh, but I'm going to do my best and see if I can't get her talking. And uh, I, yeah, I don't know what the rest of her schedule looks like yet, but we'll probably find out uh, once I call to bring uh, her on. So we'll see what happens. And anyway, I'm excited. Glad to have you guys here as well. Uh, lots of news that's not really news uh, going on now. Uh, did you did you know that there's a challenge at the border? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a challenge. It's not a crisis. Don't call it a crisis. There's only a few Democrats uh, that are calling it a crisis. Strangely enough, it's Democrats who happen to be from districts that are right on the border. And some of them are desperately trying to give the uh, Operation P-Pads and E-Pads – that's the Biden administration in case you're curious. Uh, they're trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, saying things like oh, they don't seem to be aware of what's going on on the ground. Yet yeah, they're aware, honey. This was the plan all along. Well, we'll see where we're at. A uh, quick shout-out to uh, Annie Ubellis who just joined us. Hey, Annie. Glad to uh, – have you hanging out in the chat room with us as well? Uh, let me remind you, in case you know the name sounds familiar, but maybe you're not placing it. And you, Bella, is the host of a great talk show. Just, just a great talk show. A, a lot of conservative values going on there, but it doesn't matter what genre you want to put it into. Just a great talk show. It's called Southern Sense Talk Radio. I highly recommend you visit her website, southern-sense.com. From there. Not only can you decide your preferred method for listening to the show, uh, but you also can see all the other things that Annie tends to be up to, which you know she's usually up to quite a few things. So uh, happy to have you here, Annie. Thank you so much for dropping in. 
Uh, Chief in the chat room says, the Democrats should want to call it a crisis. Otherwise, it might go to waste, <laughs> which is a great point. And again, uh, why Chief makes such a great host in his own right. Uh, yeah, I mean, you would think so. But the problem is right now there's some Democrats that are out there right now that are representing communities that are being dealt direct harm. And because these communities were made up of a group of people willing to elect Democrats, then you know that they are still overly concerned about the risks, the dangers of the Chinese import, the, the red Wuhan flu death, the bat – Flu stew – well, the bat stew flu is uh, – got to get those in the right order. It doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, if you're overly concerned, if you're still super concerned that you think that you need to get your vaccine and still double mask and still socially distance and still pretend like everybody's going to die before our next birthdays, then you're probably going to realize it's not such a good idea to – Bring people over from Mexico, you know, because we had the stay in Mexico and process there under Trump. Well, we're now bringing them over here, doing a quick process and turning them loose without even so much as testing for COVID. Knowing that several of these uh, people appear to not be in their top physical condition, okay? They're not in peak health. We'll just put it like that. <laughs> the bat flew into the flu stew. <laughs> now, in a very uh, Dr. Seuss way, uh, Chief was trying to help me out with my uh, misordering uh, of words. That's uh, that's great, by the way. Thank you, Chief. All right, so the real issue is, once again, we have all these unaccompanied minors, which brings us back to the point of why so many conservatives were against this notion, against the idea of allowing specialized treatment for unaccompanied minors. We've essentially created a you know it, it's it's an incentive. We've created an incentive for drug traffickers, for mules, for coyotes to smuggle children across the border and then that's the anchor to pull family members across. All in the name of humanity, all in the name of compassion, when the point of fact is we're really putting these kids at high risk. Now, we, we've talked to the point that I almost blew in the face, and as you guys who are regular listeners know, that takes a lot of talking on my part. But we've talked to that point ad nauseum on my part, not on your part, because I, I get – some of you guys get sick of it. But uh, we've talked about it to such an extent that it is so egregious that it is literally the opposite of compassion when we put these incentives to smuggle children across the border. We're putting these kids at risk, and several of these folks, you, you kind of wonder if it's even – reasonable that we should make an effort to put these kids back with their family, especially those family members that use these kids as a bargaining tool. They say, here's my chip. Uh, here's my free ticket to get into the United States. Hey, my kids over there. I've, I've got to come over there now. And yeah, sure, we'll show up at a court hearing <laughs> when you can find us. Oh, but you know, according to the left, we don't have to worry about that because that's that's not an issue. 
Ooh, I see we have Duck Northwest. What is it? Uh, Northwest Media in the chat. Uh, I, I'm guessing that that's Duck and Dive, our good friend. Uh, glad to see you here, brother. Um, yeah, it's it's an amazing thing, though. I mean, we are literally right back to pre-Trump. We are we are at a point where we have nearly surpassed since the what, what is it December I think yeah you know, once everybody knew that the United States was going to recognize Joe Biden as president regardless of the outcome the, the real outcome of the election regardless of any of that they were going to recognize Joe Biden as a man so operation pee pads and knee pads was going to commence so they knew this and once that happened, we started getting caravans put together. We started seeing people showing up at the borders wearing Biden T-shirts and wearing Please Let Us In T-shirts. And where did these T-shirts come from, by the way? Is anybody asking that question? Because, I mean, they came from – somebody paid for them. Somebody had them printed up. Somebody was distributing them. Uh, I mean, maybe – <laughs> Maybe it was a lot of stuff made up for the campaign, and since nobody really was very excited about said campaign, they just dumped a whole bunch of it across the border, I possibly. But we literally, again, are back to seeing numbers that exceed numbers we saw over the course of multiple years under the Trump administration. You know, before Trump took office, we saw a lot of self-deportation. People that were here illegally were afraid they'd get caught, and who understood that we could very well be headed back towards a time when the United States federal government was going to start enforcing our immigration laws. They were afraid of that because one of the immigration laws is still on the books, even though the Democrats don't want to do the work of changing the law and certainly don't want to enforce the law, is that if you are caught here illegally, you are no longer eligible to find a legal path to being here. That's a common sense law. Well, well why is that common sense, Tim? That just sounds cruel. It's common sense because it incentivizes the people who want to come here to do it the right way. You, you, you don't want to violate the law and get caught if it means that you're going to be having to constantly sneak back in and hide in the shadows forever. That was part of the, part of the plan. And so these people were afraid they'd get caught. And that they would never be allowed back in the country. So they were self-deporting while they had time. Then we saw the separation of children from adults at the border. And it's important to emphasize adults because in so many cases, the people that they were with were not family members and certainly not parents. You know, better than 30% of the children that were separated from adults they were traveling with at the border during the Trump administration were non-parental individuals, and nearly half of those were not family members of any kind, no direct blood relation. And yet we're supposed to ignore that, and we're just supposed to call the orange man bad, and we're just supposed to go right along. 
<laughs> chief in the chat room says the U.S. the U.S. recognizes Joe Biden as president. Joe Biden doesn't recognize Joe Biden as the guy in the mirror. And sadly, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. But uh, I just I don't see where there's any room for confusion anymore. It's obvious you do have Democrats now uh, who are elected officials on some of these border areas in some of these border towns that are now crying out for help, that are feeling the pain of the crisis. We're going to call it a crisis because that's what it is. The numbers are clear. The The border patrol agents are begging for help, and they're begging for volunteers. They are overwhelmed because these people now believe in their heart of hearts, based on the language they're hearing from this administration, based on what they were told from the Barack Hussein Alu Akbar Obama administration, that the borders are now open. Come on in. The water's fine. Don't worry about the COVID. It'll be okay. Wear two masks. Get a vaccine. We'll prioritize you. And hey, you want... You want $1,400 check per person to, to help you uh, find a place? We'll send that to you, too. <sighs> Cruel, Chief asked. In the immortal words of Nick Lowe, you've got to be cruel to be kind in the right measure. Yeah, it's it's not even about being cruel. It's, it's about applying common sense. Yeah, I mean, it really does come down to that. Common sense, which has become an oxymoron. I know you're tired of hearing me say that. It's become so rare, it's almost a superpower. We've all heard that. But common sense tells you that even if you start from a place of compassion and, and try to find a way to help these people and think we can make a home for them here and make their life easier. And and that's where your soft-heartedness wants to. If you have the best of intentions, without mentioning the fact that the final destination of the road that is paved with those good intentions, even if you have that, a reasonable individual sees where it's been done before, sees what's been tried before, and learns from the mistake, learns from the errors, and comes to realize that true compassion sometimes means breaking your own heart in order to make someone else stronger. Every, every good parent has had to learn this lesson. Every good parent has spent time just – Heartbroken, heartsick over having to say or do something, having to deny their child something, not because they didn't want to do it, but because they knew it was more important that the child learn the lesson. It makes them a better person. It molds them. And in the case of how do you fix a broken country, sometimes you have to tell people, no, you can't come here to run away from your problems. You need to stay there and fix it. Now, that's very cruel, and it sounds like something that that Tim Tap guy would say. Just horrific, horrific. But that's more compassionate than just opening your borders and putting your own citizens at risk. I mean, need I remind you that there is a multitude of diseases that had been wiped out in the United States that made their way back into 
areas of this country that are heavily populated by illicit migration from certain Central American countries. I don't say that to be rude towards them. I say that to make the point that if we're not vetting, if we're not controlling who is and isn't coming across the border, then even the nicest of people coming here can still cause very negative consequences to United States citizens who simply don't deserve to have to deal with it when all you had to do was enforce the law. But how about we actually just get back to the law? And following the Constitution, because here's the deal, lefties, here's the deal, Democrats who now has control of everything, how about you get off your backsides and do this the way you're supposed to by, instead of executive orders, so you can just blame that chief executive over there, you go in and do the work of changing a law. You go in and do the work of making it clear Whose responsibility is what within a three-branched, equal coalition of branch of powers kind of federal government that we're supposed to have? Congress passes the laws. The executive signs the laws into being and then in doing so assumes responsibility for enforcing those laws through the executive branch. And then the judicial, uh, they judge the laws on the merit of their constitutionality, and then they also set in judgment for those who violate those laws that are allowed to stand. And it's a beautiful system. They're very elegant, very well thought out, very well planned, exactly the type of system that allows for individual liberty as long as your people – are ethical, as long as your people are righteous, and, and I don't necessarily mean in a religious fashion, although that doesn't hurt. As long as your people hold dearly in their hearts the ideas and the principles that this nation was founded on, the high-minded ideas, not Staying focused on the failures, not staying focused on where we didn't live up to those high-minded ideas, especially right off the bat. But the principles themselves, those high-minded ideas that have drawn generations of immigrants here legally wanting to be a part of something special, something that doesn't exist anywhere else on this planet… How about we start embracing that again instead of finding every little excuse to be mad at one another? Is there a crisis on the border? You bet your backside there's a crisis, and is it Joe Biden's fault? Well, in so much as everything is, certainly. I, I don't know how much of it you can literally put in Joe Biden's lap because I don't know how much of this stuff he's even aware of. I don't. Now, I know Ron comes on here, and he'll be on again tomorrow, and Ron is convinced that about half of the Biden stuff is just a put-on so that people won't come so hard after him and maybe even feel a little bit. And who knows? Ron could be right. I, all I know is I've seen little signs, and I think most of us have seen little signs for a long time that Joe Biden uh, has been slipping for a bit, that his grasp of reality, his control of his emotions just isn't there. I don't, I don't think it's an act, 
But whether it is or isn't, I, how much of this is Joe Biden? And how much of it is the uber leftists that are controlling it? I mean, put the blame where it uh, should be. He's the front man, so I guess the front man takes the fall, right? The buck stops here, they used to say. Uh, leftists typically don't say that much anymore because they don't want the buck to even come in their direction. Uh, I, I don't know what just happened, but I'm pretty sure it's the orange man's fault. And, of course, if it happened before orange man, then it's Bush's fault. And if it happened before then, well, it doesn't matter because history doesn't go back that far. History doesn't go back. Can you believe – I came across this thing earlier, and I, I was shocked by this. Somebody was talking about a series of TikTok videos, which uh, I spend no time on TikTok, so I haven't seen them. I, I don't know. But uh, they were talking about how there's this entire movement now to pretend as if Helen Keller – wasn't real, that she was just completely made up, completely fictitious. And then I kind of went down this little rabbit hole where it appears that a lot of other people like Booker T. Washington are kind of falling into the same category where uh, no longer uh, do people want to believe that it was possible to have done the things that these people did. It's no longer possible to face adversity and be expected to pull yourself up and, and do astounding things despite them. I mean we have definitely moved on past the point of cancel culture and into the complete rewriting of our history, which a lot of us, I know Annie uh, and Chief both have spent time I know I've spent time. I know Don Smith has spent time. I know several of the hosts over at the Global Patriot Radio Network. I know Rod Eccles, Ron Edwards, uh, Josh Bernstein. I just uh, I could go down a long list. I know a lot of people that have spent a lot of time trying to warn you that when statues started coming down, that's the ultimate goal. They they don't just want to forget about history. They want to completely rewrite it. They want to move on from it. And that's where we seem to be right now, and we're now seeing that next step. So for whatever it's worth, guys, um, if you've got hard copies of something, uh, any information, anything that's real, hold on to those hard copies. If you've got a bunch of stuff that's strictly digital uh, that you want to hold on to, that you find uh, as a cherished item, especially – if it's the least bit conservative, or if it's actual historical documentation, then uh, you need to move away from those digital platforms because we have digital book burning going on already. Uh, that was a topic from a show not too long ago right here. Uh, we've seen it with Dr. Seuss. We've seen it with… The Warner Brother cartoon catalog now. I mean, Speedy Gonzalez and Pepe Le Pew now are being uh, canceled for various reasons. It's it's gotten to be insane. So, you know, get yourself hard copies, DVDs of video uh, medias, visual medias, I should say. Uh, get hard copies of books. Everything's going to be gone soon. Get it before it gets canceled. Get it before eBay takes it down, before Amazon says you can't have it, before they push that delete button and it just all goes away. And make no mistake about it, 
it is about to just all go away. It's not fun. It's not fair. But it is where we are. In the meanwhile, you guys stay right where you're at. I'm going to take that little bit of a break right about now, and then I'm going to see if I can't get a hold of my guest here for the first hour. Stay put. I'll be right back. American statesman Elias Boudinot, Jr., who lived from 1740 to 1821, hailed from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Boudinot was an energetic patriot and an elected delegate to the Continental Congress from 1777 to 1784, serving as its president from 1782 to 1783. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, Boudinot also served three terms in Congress and 10 years as Director of the Mint. He was also elected president of the American Bible Society at its founding in 1816. And accepting the office, he wrote, quote, This was the greatest honor that could have been conferred upon him this side of the grave. Boudinot had an unwavering faith that God had called the men of society to the work of making Bibles available in America. His $10,000 gift at a time when annual salaries of $400 was considered good, essentially enabled the formation of the Organization of the American Bible Society, which still sponsors the work of Bible translation and distribution around the world. Hopefully, Bible reading and study will once again be commonplace around America, which was founded upon biblical principles. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Hello, this is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Did you know that the unemployment rate for homeless veterans was twice the national average? And without proper shoes, it's hard to get a job? Here's your Veterans Tip of the Day. People from all over the country helped us with our annual Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Shoes and Socks for Homeless Veterans. There was a time this summer where we believed that probably it wouldn't be successful because of the pandemic, but decided to go ahead and do it anyway. We reached out in the local community and on the various radio shows that I'm on, asked for their support. In a little over three weeks, we received 400 pairs of shoes and over 1,000 pairs of socks for homeless veterans so they can go out and look for a job and have a decent pair of shoes to wear. We at Songs and Stories for Soldiers and all the 400-plus soldiers who will receive these shoes and socks say thank you for your generosity. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Uh, we, of course, uh, are skipping the Dan Wass portion of the break, but we will get his commentary uh, back up a little bit later. In the meanwhile, I want to welcome onto the show for the first time uh, Mr. Lucas Miles. He's a writer. He's a speaker. He's a film producer. He's the president of the Influence Network. He currently serves as the lead pastor for the Influence Church. Uh, to put it mildly, he's a busy guy. He's also the host of the Lucas Miles Show as well as co-host of the Church Boys. And and he's the principal and founder of Miles Media Incorporated. Man, oh man, you would think with all that his uh, docket would be full. But beyond that, uh, his faith has also pushed him to become an author and write a couple of books, and he's got a new release out. It's called The Christian Left, How the Liberal Thought 
not how the, but how liberal thought has hijacked the church. And given where we're at right now, I definitely want to have a conversation with this gentleman about that topic, especially given the book. Uh, first of all, uh, Lucas, uh, sir, thank you so much for joining us and uh, being part of the show tonight. Hey, absolutely. It's, it's my pleasure. All right. So I, I talked about a lot of the uh, pies that you've got uh, various fingers in and all this work that you're doing, uh, and it's all directed towards one purpose, one goal, and that is to bring people into the church, to salvage the church, to save the church. And this is uh, the overall theme of the new book, although it kind of sounds like from the title – that you would be uh, trying to alienate half of the church or trying to alienate the people that lean to the left. But one of the things that I really like is within the book itself, you actually challenge both sides at different parts. You make the point in your uh, author's notes at the beginning that maybe if you tend to lean to the left, you might want to read it in a slightly different order so that you will understand and go back and read the rest and get the gist rather than just be offended. You take the time and the effort to develop a real narrative about where the church should be and while we should be together as the church as opposed to being divided on politics and what some of the dangers for the church as we continue forward are. So rather than me continuing to, ra <laughs> to ramble on about that, just because I'm just really impressed with it, so I'm sorry if I do, uh, what was it that made you decide now was the time uh, for this book, and where did you begin uh, for uh, – your research and pulling together the overall themes here. Yeah, no, first of all, I appreciate all of that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad that you saw that because that's certainly, you know, something that I hope to do with this book. Uh, my first book is called good God. And, you know, interesting enough in that book, I'm, I'm really dealing with some issues that exist on in more fundamentalist circles, you know, in that book. And, and I had people read that and assume that I was a progressive, you know, they thought I was a Christian left because I was challenging some, you know, fundamental understandings of, of, of Scripture and, and God. Uh, this book is, is obviously it's, it's geared towards, you know, what I think is a greater danger that we're seeing on the left, uh, but I certainly, you know, provide some balance there on the right as well. I always say that a lot of my ministry is really helping to protect the church from radicalism on the left and the right. It just so happens that this book is a little bit more focused on some of the issues, you know, within the left. Uh, as a pastor, I've been, you know, preaching since I was 17. I'm I'll be 42 this year, so I'll let the audience uh, listeners do the math on that. Uh, but it's been quite a while that I've been in the church. I've been a senior pastor since I was 24, uh, and I'm still at that same church that I planted when I was 24 uh, here in South Bend, Indiana. And I have seen over the years kind of this increase, and really this is, this is almost outside of the political conversation. This isn't an election book or anything like that. I have seen an, seen an increase in what I'm calling – you know, progressive thought or the Christian left, as the title of the book is. And, and basically what I mean by that is we're seeing people that are, um, you know, uh, being influenced within the church by leftist, you know, ideology, progressive uh, theology, and, and at times Marxist theory. And it's really quite frightening because what we're seeing is as that increases, there is a disconnect from not only the lordship of Jesus, but also any sort of uh, um, biblical inerrancy, uh, you know, viewing scripture as the word of God. Uh, I think only, uh, um, uh, I, I think something like 
you know, 24% of the church does no longer view Scripture as the Word of God. That's a concerning statistic. And, and then, you know, additionally what we're seeing is that over time it's just a disconnect from, from any sort of biblical orthodoxy as people move into kind of this neo-form of Christianity that we're seeing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got to tell you, I've been uh, – well, I was going to use the word preaching, but somehow that seems to fall short at this point uh, – griping as a talk show <laughs> that for for some time now it seems like uh, a lot of American churches in particular, but it's not just an American phenomenon. We also – if you pay attention, we see it a lot in Europe, particularly mm-hmm. in England, uh, Certainly. where – there has been such a movement to to adopt these leftist progressive ideas that so many churches, regardless of individual denomination, have moved so so far away from the gospel, they almost treat the gospel as if it's heresy itself to the point that it makes me wonder how they can even claim to be a Christian church. Uh, The inherent danger there is something that... uh, really challenges faith in general, but you obviously in pulling this together, you have seen not just this movement, but I'm sure you've seen the rise and fall of churches and uh, the level of faith. What is your biggest concern that you yourself see as you've been uh, going through this that uh, the results uh, that you've seen so far and the trend if we continue down this path? Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate that. Uh, You know, there's a temptation when you're looking at problems on the left to only make it about morality. And certainly, you know, I can go on and I do address these things in the book where we see, um, you know, uh, you know, believers kind of embrace, uh, you know, maybe certain, um, uh, you know, LGBT, you know, issues or or, you know, transgenderism or, you know, really try to find a way to contextualize scripture to, you know, to approve those things. And as a Christian, that's concerning because I think it's a twisting of the Word of God in order to get there. Uh, we also could talk about things like abortion and divorce rates. And, and, you know, I had somebody tell me here recently who was a – you know, we called themselves a Christian. They said that, you know, it, it is, it is um, the only biblical position on abortion should be that of pro-choice because God gave Adam and Eve a choice in the garden on whether, they not, whether or not they wanted to eat from the fruit. And so that was their justification of why abortion is okay. And we can look at those things, and those, those should be frustrating for Christians. Those should be concerning for Christians. I think the greater concern, though, is how people view the Word of God. And in my book, I talk about how the Word is really this anchor point. And, you know, um, all of us probably have some theological, you know, ideas that, that aren't true. We just don't know which, one, you know, which, which aspects of our faith are wrong. You know, and so I always joke that 15% of everything we, we think is, is wrong. It's just figuring out what 15%, you know, it is. Um, but the reality is, if you stay connected to the Word of God, it, it will see you through. You will stay fast to the Lord. You'll stay, you'll stay in relationship with Him. But what we're seeing is we're seeing on, within this progressive mindset a disconnect from Scripture, a disconnect from any sort of view of original sin, and, and in some cases— it's a really downgrading of Jesus, no longer being the savior of the world, to this more socialist concept of Jesus as the great social organizer. You know, as, as Mikhail Gorbachev, you know, uh, you know, called him, Jesus was the first great, you know, socialist. And that is a concerning view that is developing in Christianity, and it's really spreading in America, uh, you know, quite rapidly. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it is somewhat disconcerting at how easily uh, this aspect of Christian uh, faith can be twisted uh, when it's taken out of context, because there is a lot of the ideas and symbolism that uh, socialism, progressivism, they, they kind of adhere to and try to paint the picture of what they're pushing uh, as being part of that, but they completely miss the point that uh, Jesus was about taking individual responsibility for your fellow man and for yourself exactly. and following exactly. the path. And if you're going to em- embrace the idea of charity, that's done from you and yours. That is not done at the – well, I, I hate using the uh, – <laughs> The imagery, but uh, at the point of the gun, uh, when the state does it. Uh, so, so let me say it this way: it, you know, you ha- when you look at this, the left talks a lot about the separation of church and state, as if it's something that they want. The reality is, they're not really desiring the separation of church and state. They want a church that's subservient to the state, and that's exactly what you're addressing there. They want to live in a place where the state you know, really dictates the morality of the church as well as the generosity of the church. But Jesus taught, as you pointed out, not only personal responsibility, he also taught personal stewardship. And that is, that is inherent within the gospel. It's inherent within all of the parables that we see is that there is an aspect of our lives that we have personal responsibility over. Our actions matter. Our choices matter. And the left has really removed that. I mean, we could argue that Adam was the first great socialist you know, in the garden where he's blaming his sin on his wife and then on God. You know, it's this woman you put here with me. You know, she'd maybe do it. And, and, and so, you know, we have to realize that the gospel within it is an aspect of personal responsibility. And ultimately, that personal responsibility should cause us to all look within our hearts and realize that apart from Christ, we are a sinner in need of grace. And that is something you will never hear the left talk about. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, though, I think human nature, a lot of us do have a hard time looking in the mirror and being honest. We, we all want to think that we're doing much better than we are. It's, it's a hard conversation to have with yourself, but as a Christian, you do have to have that because uh, it's, it is how you become a better person. It is how you make those steps. Uh, I, I wish it could just happen automatically uh, with maturity, and we used to see that kind of thing where as you uh, grew older and you gained life experience, you normally would grow closer uh, in your spiritual walk as well. And it has a lot to do with the fact that you realize that you are surrounded by miracles and blessings every day. And and these things are there for you to enjoy, and they are there for you to share. Uh, we don't have that same level of even maturity happening anymore within uh, certain segments of our uh, our society anymore it seems like the progressive idea set not only leads to that notion of uh in the world of politics if it feels good do it but within its uh encompassing of the church that if it costs you to question yourself uh just move past it where do we get that individual accountability back uh within the framework because i know again the idea here is uh, in the book, you address that need to pull together uh, without politics keeping us separate. But is it really just as simple as that self-evaluation and then reaching out to your neighbor that thinks a little different? Or uh, is there something more we need to be doing as individuals to help this change to happen? No, great question. So first of all, there's two things here. There is how we relate to one another with, you know, as Americans. 
And then there is how we relate to one another as Christians within the church. And so I believe, and I'm, I'm presenting in this book, that we can live in unity you know, with people in this country of different opinions. In fact, I don't have any expectations for you know, uh, somebody to embrace the same morals as I have or anything like that uh, if they don't have the same faith that I do. And so, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't try to project my moral uh, values on somebody who is, you know, uh, a Muslim or somebody who is even somebody who's Jewish, although there's going to be some similarities, you know, with the faith. Uh, and so we can relate to one another as Americans with differences. But the moment we begin to call something Christianity, when it is, in fact, um, I think, a, a, uh, a false picture, and we're not just talking about simple doctrinal differences here, you know, we we might as Christians be able to debate, say, something like baptism or speaking in tongues or how often you take communion. Those are, those are, doc- those are conversations that we have within orthodoxy, and there's going to be some varying opinions, and somebody might be over here and somebody might be over there, but we can still be one in Christ. But the moment we disconnect our, when somebody disconnects themselves from the Word, the moment somebody disconnects themselves from the Lordship of Jesus— we are entering into what I call in this book these divergent, you know, uh, dark waters of, of progressive ideology. It's a doctrinal drift, and if you drift far enough, eventually you strain that cable of the attachment to truth. And I'm not, I'm not stating here in this book really even hypothesizing about anybody's salvation. It's not what this is about. It is about the what we determine or what we call Christianity. And we have 2,000 years of, of theology and, and biblical history and, and uh, you know, uh, church history and these things to, to, that's really dealt with these subjects. It's provided conclusive answers on all of the issues that we're facing today. But today we have a group that's rising up that's really trying the same way that we have revisionist history with our Constitution. We have revisionist history that's happening within the church, and we're beginning to really, you know, depart from you know, what I would call, uh, uh, you know, what we would all know as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in, in order to embrace sort of this, this Marxist, you know, trinity of, you know, diversity, inclusion, and social justice. And for many, that is becoming the new God, and we are distancing ourselves from the Lordship of Christ. And that is something that as Christians we can't find unity in the faith in. We might be able to have unity within our nation and our differences, but we cannot look at that and affirm that that is in fact Christianity. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, once you go so far down the path, that's really just a completely different philosophy anyway. Uh, so, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, given the title of the book, have you received a lot of pushback from uh, would-be reviewers and pundits uh, who have not bothered to read it or to, to actually try to ascertain what your intent is? Have you gotten a <laughs> sure. lot of negative feedback at this point? Yeah, so the, the book is in pre-order right now, which we've been really blessed. It's already hit number one uh, on Amazon on three different bestseller lists kind of during this, this pre-order phase. It releases uh, – uh, we're expecting it to hit you know, kind of into April, uh, early May here where it will ship. Um, and you know, we, the people who have mostly read it so far have been very positive. I mean people have taken the time to go through it and our, our various you know, reviewers and endorsees. They've just been you – know, there's been so much momentum around this book. It's been incredible. Um, and, you know, but obviously we have people that see the cover and it's got a it's got a bold, striking, you know, a little bit controversial cover on it. And, you know, we use this this yellow uh, sickle and, and tilted cross. A lot of people think they just assume I made that up. That is actually the legitimate Christian socialism symbol. It's used by Christian socialists around the country and really around the world, you know, within their faith. 
and it has, you know, this communist sickle and a tilted cross. Um, there, you know, I just had, you know, somebody reach out that uh, here recently that I, I knew, you know, years ago and haven't talked to in some time. And, you know, he, he saw it and, you know, kind of let me have it on social media and these things. So I just wrote him privately and we were able to go back and forth, you know, uh, over several conversations. And by the end, he apologized to me and, you know, um, uh, you know, and he's not a believer himself, but he, he I think, was able to, you know, kind of humble himself and kind of in this answer. I mean, my my intention with this book is that it helps the left and the right. You know, I have some really hard things to say in here to the right as well as the left. You know, the right has a tendency. We fall into this cycle of worry, anger and apathy. You know, we we get we get worried about what's happening in the world, about people falling into progressivism and then we get angry. And so we start this insult culture and, you know, uh, we start, you know, kind of, you know, meme wars and all these things that are happening until we get to a point where we just throw our hands up and we say, oh, you'll never change them. And we get into a place of apathy. And we have a lot of the church that's actually just sitting in the pews in a place of apathy that have just given up on seeing the world change. And the world needs Christians to stay involved. And so, you know, I have some hard things to say in this book to Christians that, that love the Lord, that are following the Lord, that believe in the scriptures. And I also have some hard things to say, you know, to those who are progressive. But I really wanted to give a roadmap. You know, this book is really for those that are either, um, you know, uh, they're, they're uh, Christians who believe in an orthodox, you know, gospel, biblical, historic Christianity, and they're looking for ways to defend their faith during this time and to, you know, find encouragement. And also to those that are sort of on the fence, because there's a lot of people that they hear what's happening on the right, they hear what's happening on the left, and they don't know. And so I wanted to provide something that they could come to that would help guide them, you know, through some of these issues and really give them a roadmap back to um, biblical Christianity. And I provide a lot of resources at the end of the book and questions they can ask themselves and, and ask their pastors to really ensure, you know, that they are helping to protect their heart against some of these progressive thoughts. And again, this isn't just about progressive by meaning politics. This is by, I'm talking about progressing away from Christianity into really just, you know, whether it be secular humanism or postmodernism or some sort of socialist concept, you know, Marxism, we have to be on guard against these things for our faith today. Yeah, yeah there's no question. It's, it's a very important message across the board, especially uh, the parts that are a little more challenging to uh, us, of the little more conservative ilk. Because exactly to your point, I know a ton of people, and I have to be honest and admit I found myself here as well where we find ourselves involved in a holy war defending the faith from the heathens, and it is real easy to forget that we are talking to fellow human beings, some of which still profess generally the same beliefs. It, it we get blinded and short-sighted and get involved with our own uh, pettiness once we get started with it. Uh, social media certainly hasn't helped that in any fashion, uh, and, and it's really hard uh, sometimes to remember uh, if we can remember that we're dealing with a fellow human being to start with and uh, try to be civil, much like what you had said that you did with uh, – this uh, individual earlier, uh, it can go a lot longer, and we can get back to some civil discourse. Uh, I, I am old enough to remember a time when Democrats and Republicans disagreed, uh, but they weren't trying to uh, to bludgeon each other to death on the street, uh, at least not usually. Uh, so <laughs> let, let me uh, 
Let me once again thank you so much for uh, joining us this evening, uh, sir. And please let everybody know uh, where they can go to pre-order the book, and uh, I am quite certain you're still uh, having people follow you on social media. Feel free to share any social media handles you would like to throw out there, any website you want to share, anything at all. Uh, please, right now, let everybody know where Absolutely. they can find you. Yeah, so if somebody's looking for really a roadmap on how to understand, you know, what's happening in the church today, how to protect their heart and their faith from some of these progressive ideas, I just encourage them to grab a copy of this book. It's called The Christian Left, How Liberal Thought Has Hijacked the Church. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBooks.com. You can also get it on my website at lucasmiles.org. And uh, I always love connecting with people, so hit me up on social media. I'm on basically all the platforms from, you know, TikTok, Facebook, you know, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find me on any of those, usually just under my name, Lucas Miles, or at Mr. Lucas Miles, Mr. Lucas Miles, on a few of those. And uh, yeah, I'm just really honored. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show, and you know, just really appreciate in advance, you know, the audience uh, checking out this book, The Christian Left, and, and grabbing a copy. All right. Well, I've certainly enjoyed the conversation, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to get together and uh, continue the conversation because I've really enjoyed you. it. Hope you have as well. Um, God bless. Keep up the great work, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have Mr. Lucas Miles. Uh, there is a link in the show description here at uh, BTR show description, uh, knowing that not everybody is listening there, but you can track it down. I will also be updating the Tap into the Truth uh, website to get a link uh, there as well. You can just follow that, and it will take you to Amazon uh, where you can find it, although uh, – Please feel free to visit uh, the websites he gave out uh, and uh, to connect. Uh, it is uh, some really good points, and it is a book that is intended to be balanced across the political aisle while warning about the progressivism within the church, not political progressivism, but this effort to move away from the Gospels and uh, the dangers of that because if all of Christianity should become an amoral uh, – Waste uh, wasteland. It's it doesn't speak well for the future of humanity, and certainly not to, for the future of the United States. <sighs> On the one hand, I feel pretty upbeat knowing that there are still people out there fighting that good fight. And on the other hand, when I stop and think about it, man, we have come so far down a very, very dangerous path, and it's uh. It's kind of weird to even think that we might have a realistic chance of fighting back, but uh, back to that good place, back to that signing city on the hill that this nation was meant to be. But I believe we will get there. I do believe that it is not too late. I do believe – I believe – I do. I really do, and I I do feel a little bit better after having So please, again – uh, follow up, uh, get familiar, pick up a copy of the book. It's, again, be great to have a physical copy. Now, again, he mentioned it's in pre-order, uh, but you know, I was fortunate enough to have a reviewer's copy, and I know that these things get sent out, and I'm not surprised that somebody was pushing back pretty hard already. Uh, it, most likely somebody who simply saw the title and made assumptions. You know, you can't judge a book by its cover. Definitely don't judge a book by its title. 
Sometimes it's just ironic. All right, another quick shout-out to the folks hanging out with me in the chat room. We've got Duck Northwest Media, familiar face with a new uh, <laughs> with a new tag. Uh, we've still got Chief, host of Simple Facts of Life, and we've still got Annie U. Bellis, host of Southern Sense Talk Radio. Uh, very glad to have you guys back in here with me. Thank you so much for joining me. Going to reset at the hour at this point because – on the terrestrial radio stations that do rebroadcast, a number that is dwindling due to rebranding of some of the stations. And now one of the stations that was rebroadcasting has now become defunct. Um, very sad. I'm kind of heartbroken over that. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll start regrowing the show soon. In the meanwhile, I'm just trying to get the show back up and going after the technical glitches. But in the meanwhile, there are still some stations that rebroadcast, like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, just as an example of one. Uh, and as we will be uh, going forward, normally you get one-hour increments. So for those of you listening there, I'm about to have to say goodbye, at least for today. So I'm going to ask you to please remember, no matter what else you take from this broadcast, don't take a single word of what I said as gospel. <laughs> don't take my word for it, but definitely, definitely don't take those other folks' word for it either. You need to go in, do your own homework. You need to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. But meanwhile, stay uh, safe, stay healthy, and uh, you know, be smart out there, even if it goes against your nature. For those of you that are here live, don't go anywhere. Hour number two will come up after this, but for the rest of you, bye for now. Seems like a thousand years since we had real fears. But the old ones won't forget These broken levee walls Had a few close calls But they haven't fallen yet And you know the rain's coming The rain's coming All your days and all your nights It brings a storm on you When the sun beats down and it fakes the ground And you watch the rich land die Such a vicious drought Even hopes in doubt But there are no clouds in the sky But you know the rain's coming The rain's coming All your days and all your nights It brings the storm on you when you feel the first drop fall When it kisses your skin The storm will begin To bring with it promise of change When you hear the thunder roll The lightning begun The bubbles will come To wash out the things that remain
Broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever so humble and, uh, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, committing live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. And uh, we continue on today's broadcast to bring you news that isn't really news, uh, mostly because we've known about it for a little bit. Uh, was there going to be a crisis on the border when Biden took over? Yeah, we knew it was coming. We said it. We called it. Were we right? Absolutely. Is it even close to coming to an end? Uh, no, nah, this this bad boy is just getting worse. Uh, had a great conversation back in the first hour. Uh, for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on Terrestrial Radio, by the way, time of the live broadcast uh, is March 9th. It's 2021. It's a few brief moments after 8 p.m. Eastern, and this is the second hour of a two-hour live broadcast. So you are always invited to come join me whenever we're doing the live broadcast. You can find me either at blogtalkradio.com or you can find me over at spreaker.com in either case. Uh, I'm likely to be doing a live show there one time or another. It just all depends on what day it is and how many guests I have scheduled and uh, what's working and what isn't and you know all that stuff. Plus, you can always find the uh, catalog of past broadcasts. Uh, some of them pretty good. Uh, some of them I probably should delete because you know uh, I, I wasn't that great. But uh, you know I, I tend to leave it there though because uh, yeah, I, you you get. 
you get who I am. You know, it's just that simple. Uh, sometimes I have a great day. Uh, sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's technical stuff. It's not even my fault. But anyway, I digress. I want to give a quick shout out to the folks hanging out with me in the chat room already. We've got Duck Northwest Media. Woo! <laughs> We've got Chief, host of a great show in its own right. It's called Simple Facts of Life. Please, if you haven't already, if you're a regular listener to the show, you've heard me say a multitude of times that you need to go check it out. You were looking for a show called Simple Facts of Life, which is exactly what Chief lays out uh, once a week on Tuesdays. He gets started at 6 p.m. Eastern. In fact, he had a, a good show earlier today, same day of the live broadcast. Uh, always worth the listen. And uh, you know what? If you can't catch him live on uh, Tuesdays, he normally starts at 6 p.m. Eastern. Like I said, you, of course, can adjust your time zone accordingly. But if you can't catch him live, uh, there is a pretty good archive of uh, shows there as well. Check him out. Well worth it. Uh, simple Facts of Life. And we've got uh, the Radio Chickadee, Miss Ann Ubella. She's the host of Southern Sense Talk Radio. I, I, I can't possibly say enough good things. Uh, I could try. It would take up the entirety of a five-hour Spreaker broadcast, uh, so obviously no time for that tonight. Just know it's a great show, and if you don't believe me, I triple-dog dare you. Go check it out for yourself. Go ahead and visit her at southern-sense. That's southern-sense.com. From there, you can choose your preferred method of listening to her show, plus you also get the uh, added advantage of finding out the other things that she's up to, and sometimes that's even more interesting than the show. And again, I said the show is really great, so keep in mind. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Bigfoot, who's not here with us tonight, but hopefully uh, Bigfoot will find his way back uh, to our chat room soon, too. Uh, he's a blogger extraordinaire. You can find his work over at bigfootsplace.blogspot.com. Uh, again, if you don't believe me, uh, now I'm going to quadruple dog dare you. Go ahead, check out the site, and uh, see what you have to say. Uh, as for other folks, for shout-outs, you know, uh, Ron Edwards, of course. Uh, be sure to check out uh, theronedwards.com. I always uh, send you to rodeckles.net to check out Rod Eccles. Um, Don Smith, of course, great program. Uh, it can be found at Blog Talk Radio on Saturdays. Uh, just go to blogtalkradio.com, search The Don Smith Show. Uh, that will take you where you need to go. Again, trust me, this is good stuff. I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, again, a lot of great folks at uh, the Global Patriot Radio Network, the entirety. Uh, seven different hosts, seven different shows, all fantastic. Uh, you know the uh, English Defense League. I don't uh, plug them often enough. I really do. Great program there as well. Uh, just a ton of folks out there that are well worth. Uh, I, I can't possibly remember all of them off the top of my head. And if I made a list again, it would take far too long to go down. Just, just check, check them out. That's all I'm saying. All right, so on the topic of things we already knew, came across this uh, a little while ago, and I'm just again, it, it leaves me godsmacked that it's even necessary. Were people doubting this? I mean, I get why Disney ignores it. Uh, I, I get why a lot of uh, folks in the NBA ignores it, but. I think most of us, at least those of us that pay even the slightest attention to the news by now, we're already aware. But just in case somebody wasn't, maybe this will work for them. 
the first independent non-governmental legal examination of China's human rights offenses against the the Uyghurs population. Uh, It's come from this group. It's it's a tink – Tink. A think tank. I'm trying to merge the words. It's a tink. It's a think tank uh, known as New Lines Institute for Strategy and Policy. Well, in their little report, they have found that the Chinese government is responsible for committing genocide against the Uyghur in breach of the 1948 Convention on the Prevention and punishment of the crime of genocide. Yeah, that's a fancy way of saying they're killing people for no good reason. Okay? They are <laughs> Okay, that's an oversimplification and it doesn't do it justice. So let me let me add a little more to that cuz uh, clearly that that doesn't that doesn't cover it. Now, I love the fact that uh, the left Paints all of us conservatives with a very broad brush. They they seem to think that we only care about ourselves and that we would be willing to give up the Second Amendment if we could just use the N-word and a bunch of stupid crap like that that I know most of you have heard over the course of the last week, which is all false. Uh, conservatives generally care about people. We just tend to know that people are at their best when they have a true sense of worth, not – Unearned self-esteem, but a true sense of worth, and that comes from being molded, and it comes from uh, facing adversity and growing and learning things that are true, objectively true, learning that objective truth is not, in fact, some form of white supremacy. It also means that as we criticize things like the Mohammedan uh, prevalence of Islamism, they want to say that we hate all Muslims. Well, no, we don't. Uh, Nobody – in fact, most people involved with the uh, counter-jihad movement are quick to acknowledge that nobody has been hurt more by Islam than Muslims. I mean there's a lot of Christians and a a lot of Jewish folks that have been hurt by it, and there's a lot of atheists and a lot of middle-of-the-road agnostic people that have been hurt by the radicals, elements, the, the folks that want to emulate Muhammad, the folks who want to hold up the prophet as the perfect human being, uh, which might be slightly flawed considering he was an illiterate pedophile. <gasps> Blasphemer. Yeah, there there I go again. There, there's uh, – a whole new jihad's just been called out against me, but you know, truth is truth. Sorry about it, guys. But that doesn't mean that we hate Muslims. In fact, most of us would like to see the ideas and the tenets of Islam and those who would practice the forced submission uh, by adherence and conversion and to see those practices ended and to see people no longer harmed by those most violent tenets of the philosophy for world domination that is Islam. So when we speak out against what the Chinese are doing to the Muslim Uyghurs, uh, the left looks at us in a very skeptical manner because, first of all, they are very much in love with their Chinese brethren. They 
they want to emulate the Chinese uh, version of their current economy. They want to force these social scores on all of us. Uh, they they like the control China has over its people. Uh, I mean, how many articles have you read? How many news pieces on television packages have you seen on legacy media? Were they expelled the virtues of China's ability to, to control the COVID spread by virtue of simply forcing lockdowns? And you know, here we talk about lockdowns, and it's like we want you to stay home, and, and that's not enough for these folks on the left. They want more of the Chinese-style lockdowns where they round you up, throw you into a, a building. Hopefully it's your home. Maybe you'll be comfortable there. But then they seal the freaking door so that you literally can't get out. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not a good thing, boys and girls. That that falls very short from the ideas of liberty, which most Americans should be fighting for, not against. But we're talking about here finally an independent group. They they run this report. They took a good hard look at it. Now they talk about the 1948 genocide convention uh, that happens to be an instrument of international law, such as it is, that codified for the first time the crime of genocide. So we recognize it on an international level that just uh, selecting a group of people and trying to completely eliminate them from the planet, uh, that's kind of a criminal thing. It's a bad thing. We finally recognize that at an international level. Now, uh, according to the United Nations website, the convention was the first human rights treaty uh, that the General Assembly of the United Nations adopted. Its purpose was to ensure that the human rights horrors of World War II were never repeated. And yet we seem to have an awful lot of repetitive no, – I'm, I'm not going to go there right now. Anyway, the report from this organization explains the ways in which the Chinese government happens to be in violation of committing genocide against the Uyghur people. Uh, it's outlined – sorry, as outlined by Article 2 of the Genocide Convention, the act of genocide includes uh, the requirement of intent to destroy a group. This intent does not necessarily need to come from direct acknowledgments. The report also continues by saying, quote, intent can be inferred from a collection of objective facts that are attributable to the state, including official statements, a general plan, state policy and law, a pattern of conduct, and repeated destructive acts, which have a logical sequence and result. Destruction of the group as such in whole or in substantial part. Now, that's an awful lot of flowery language for somebody living in these parts. You know, I'm just a simple country boy from East Tennessee, and I'm wondering why you need so many fancy words to say that if the government doesn't necessarily say we're going to end y'all, but we're just doing stuff that makes it pretty clear that we want to end y'all. Uh, then it's okay to, as a sanctioning body, 
uh, put two and two together. And yes, even though math is racist, I, I know this because I got a a memo from a very reliable source. Even though math is racist, you can still put one and one, and it'll still equal two, and you know, two and two is still four. And China wants to do away with anything that might challenge them and their authority. Uh, that's that's still pretty obvious to everybody except for Disney and the NBA. Uh, you know, it's funny how Mark Cuban looks at China and just sees dollar signs. Cha-ching! Uh, I, I don't know what else to say. This is not breaking news, boys and girls. This is something that you've been hearing the alarm sounded from shows like this one and a multitude of others for more than two years at this point. We first started talking about the concentration camps a little over a year ago. Okay, it's been almost two years. It's in that neighborhood. When word finally started getting out. Now, it, it feels like it's been longer, maybe, but uh, when I take a quick glance back, okay, it's, it just feels that way because so much has happened in that in between time that we focused on here. But the point is, it's still been something we've talked about for a while now. It's not exactly breaking news. I mean, Disney, in its Live-action version of Mulan literally thanks the governmental representatives of the district in which the concentration camps for these Muslim people are being conducted, where the, the concentration camps are, where they're literally moving forward with the actions of raping and murdering and other vile acts to eliminate these people from their society. For the terrible, horrible sin of not being a Chinese communist. For the terrible, horrible sin of having a religion in which you actually – well, a spiritual belief in a higher power that is not the Chinese government. That, that's probably a better way to phrase that. It's a more accurate way of phrasing it at the very least, but – Meanwhile, you've got people like LeBron James. It's like, oh yeah, we got to protect China. China's great, yay! But you know that Pepe Le Pew, he's got to go. He can't be in Space Jam too. He's problematic. He has helped add to the rape culture. And again, where where does the rape culture actually live? You know, for the longest time we have. Uh, Talk about whether or not statistics actually bear out whether or not there is in fact a rape culture on college campuses. We've talked a lot about that. But when we look at the general existence within the United States, and not just in college campuses but uh, in a broader sense, there does seem to be a place where men tend to want to take certain liberties beyond what is considered polite society. Uh, men like a certain current recognized occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue who likes to come up behind people and sniff their hair, maybe inappropriately hug them from behind, maybe maybe let their hands slide somewhere. Uh, people like the current governor of the state of New York, uh, possibly the worst 
governor in American history, possibly. I mean, there's stiff competition. I mean, there's stiff competition right now. And yet, I think he's got a really good chance of winning that title if you could find somebody who could be completely unbiased in trying to create a ranking system. Uh, that would not be me, by the way. I, I would just automatically say, yep, you're the worst. Gavin Newsom's not far behind, and then Jerry Brown not far behind that, and then after that, I would have to take a look. There's been some bad governors in the country, various parts of the country, but you know, a, a lot of a lot of this misconduct uh, that has been pushed forward by the accusers for Cuomo, uh, it, it's kind of the stuff that's. Okay, it's a little creepy. I don't know that it enters the realm of criminal, but I think you could say it certainly uh, could help to add to the rape culture by virtue of making you believe that it's okay to just take whatever liberties you want. Now, is it really okay to do that? No, clearly not. Uh, are people overly sensitive uh, these days? Eh, you could make that argument uh, if you're looking for trouble. It's funny to me that a lot of these accusations are not particularly recent. And you know this guy, is, he's been the way he is for a while now. Him and his brother Chris have spent a lot of time riding on daddy's coattails. Uh, daddy actually, you know. Popular in New York, but I don't know that he was that great of a governor. Anyway, we're going to ignore all of that. We're going to ignore how people that generally tend to lean towards the left side of the political spectrum seem far more entrenched with what the left refers to as rape culture uh, than almost any other aspect of American life. And we're going to pretend like Pepe Le Pew is the problem. You know, Speedy Gonzalez has got to go. And that's okay with Speedy, by the way, because he's really, really fast and he could get gone before you even know he's left. In fact, he could be gone and back several times before you realize. What exactly was the stereotype that was so bad about Speedy? I don't know. But Pepe Le Pew, part of rape culture, again, is someone who hasn't actually even gotten the gist of what the joke was with Pepe Le Pew. Because Pepe is a guy who. Wasn't quite bright enough to realize that he was looking at a cat, not a fellow skunk. And said cat, Penelope, I believe was her name, was perfectly okay with Pepe's advances, typically, because we oui, oui, s'il vous plaît, pardon, very dashing and French and very romantic. Uh, <laughs> not at all like what that just was. But, uh, Penelope had the problem with the smell, the body odor, not with unwanted advancements. It became unwanted because she couldn't put up with the smell. In fact, there was more than a couple of times in those cartoons, if I recall correctly, and these are cartoons I grew up watching, so I have some fond memories of these, and yeah, I don't don't think it's done anything terrible to me. Anyway, I'm sure somebody on the left would imagine, that explains everything about you. No, no, it really doesn't. But there were several times, several different of these Pepe Le Pew cartoons where uh, 
at some point in the cartoon, they literally did something to switch places, <laughs> you know, and you know, Penelope uh, goes into a freaking cheese factory and comes out smelling like the worst kind of cheese, and Peppy goes through a perfume thing and comes out smelling, uh, I'm assuming like a bunch of flowers or something. I don't know, but. The point still stands that uh, the roles were reversed in multiple occasions, and the joke was still the same. The problem is when cancel culture comes for you, it doesn't matter. You know, facts don't matter. Your feelings don't matter. Only, only the feelings of your accusers, only the feelings of those who would cancel you matter. Nothing else does. There, there is nothing else in the world that matters. Uh, Speedy Gonzalez has got to go because of a terrible uh, stereotypes. I'm sorry, because occasionally he would be lethargic. What, like when he got tired from running around? I mean, the whole point was he was literally the opposite. I mean, if any of the characters from the Speedy cartoons uh, are worthy of being canceled, I would think his cousin, the slowest rat in all of Tijuana, <laughs> Slowpoke Rodriguez, I don't know. Okay, maybe that would be a negative, harmful stereotype. But please, Please, why are these people so desperate to find something to attack? Why are these people so desperate to completely disappear, Dr. Seuss? Why are they so desperate to completely disappear, Civil War statues? Why are they so desperate to completely dissolve our shared history? <laughs> Pepe identified as a cat. You'd think the left would be down with that. <laughs> Chief... Uh... In the chat room, that's a good one. Uh, you would think that, but you know, it's too late. He's been canceled. Now, that's the thing. The, the left will eat their own. Uh, they're they're happy. They they don't care. They'll, they'll destroy whoever steps out of line. In fact, sometimes, much like those uh, Mohammedan Islamists we were talking about earlier, uh, if you leave Islam, you've committed the worst sin. So you must be treated far worse than they would treat uh, a Christian or a Jew. Same thing here. If you're a leftist and you step out of line, you must be canceled even harder than they would have canceled uh, Rush Limbaugh if they could or uh, Sean Hannity if they could get at him and uh, as Tucker Carlson as hard as they try. And you know all those folks that are high on their list of people to completely obliterate, and yet they aren't able to. Why? Because truth will endure. You can attack it. You can hide it. You can memory hole it. You can try and destroy it. You can try and delete it. Truth will endure. The control of information, it makes it harder. These people are doing everything in their power to try and – well, everything in their power to try and eliminate the ideas of common sense. It's funny how I keep coming back to common sense. You know, we, we see a lot of folks… That are part of the argument that, uh, you know, if you're on the left, you're the enemy. Sometimes I kind of fall into that too. I see a bunch of folks that lean to the left and I'm like ah, blah 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 blah. So you know, I'm not above it. I'm I'm not claiming to be better than anybody. I, I'm not. I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. But I do spend more time than most people that I listen to, trying to make the case that 
if we really should remember that a lot of the folks that are the foot soldiers, the, the front lines, the bullhorn screaming activists, uh, a lot of these are victims of an indoctrination system. And that we can salvage those folks. We can re- – we need to remember that they are fellow human beings, I, and that is something we really should all quest to remember. Not everyone can be saved. Not everyone is a victim. Some of them are victimizers, but there's a good number of people right now that can be brought not necessarily to full-blown conservatism, but at least back to a love of the country by virtue of enlightening them of our shared history. There are steps that we've taken together to get closer to those high-minded principles that we were founded on once again making that choice. All right. Uh, so the time has come for me to try to get a hold of uh, this hour's guest. And so since I didn't get the uh, piece in in the first hour, I'm going to kind of gloss over the Edwards Notebook and the Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day this time, and we'll go right into Dan Wass. And, uh, so you guys stay right where you're at. And I'll see if I can't get Miss Kern on the line. Uh, I'll be uh, right back. Don't go anywhere. We often find ourselves arguing statistics with anti-gun people, but let's put the conversation into perspective. I'll give you some stats, but also expose the anti-gun left's real motives for gun control. First of all, don't you think that anyone who really wants to save lives would focus their attention on an area where the most lives are lost? The gun grabbers like to use the number of 30 to 40,000 gun-related deaths per year. But if we take out suicides, which are 60% of those gun-related deaths, which, by the way, are not reduced by the absence of guns, and we take out law enforcement-related deaths, in other words, good guys killing bad guys, we're left with about 14,880 gun-related homicides. But here's where it gets interesting. The majority of those gun-related homicides are gang-related. So let's say we didn't have the gang problem we have in this country. The number of gun-related homicides shrinks to 2,976 per year in America. Here's another interesting fact that the anti-gun left doesn't want you to know. The majority of gang-related violence occurs in Democrat-run cities across this country that are highly gun-restricted, by the way, and often allow violent illegals safe harbor. What that means is good people living within those cities are denied their right to protect themselves against the human violence that Democrats encourage with their bad policies. Now let's compare that to some other things that the anti-gun left could be working on if they really wanted to save lives. Drunk driving takes almost 11,000 lives per year in America. 47,000 lives are lost per year in America due to suicide bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia being two of the leading causes of suicide, not guns. But one of the biggest causes of preventable deaths in America is abortion. Almost 330,000 lives are taken per year in America by people committing abortion. Now let me give you a piece of information that the anti-self-defense crowd doesn't want you to know. How many lives do you think are saved every year because of guns? The answer is two and a half million. Every year in America, two and a half million lives are potentially saved by the use of firearms. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean good guys killing bad guys. This most often means just the mere presence of a gun deters a bad guy. 
and 46% of those lives saved are women. This is a study that was done by Gary Kleck, a Florida criminologist, and backed by data from the CDC. So why do you think the gun grabbers never share this information? Well, some would argue that they don't really care about saving lives as much as they care about disarming their fellow citizens and preventing them from independently protecting themselves and their families. Gun control is a top-down method that puts government in charge of the lives and safety of people under the guise of public safety. It's the first step in stealing the freedom our founders fought for. The anti-left has already decided that they are willing to give up their freedom to government. The problem is they can't have their government-controlled utopian society unless you get on board. And real Americans are clearly not getting on board. Gun control is a way of forcing you into dependence, whether you like it or not. Now, we're never going to cure the evil in the hearts of killers, but we can stop them. So, to the gun grabbers, do you really want to save lives? Then get to work on the real causes of human violence and help us restore our gun rights so good people can protect themselves. Help us save lives rather than ending them before they get a chance to take their first breath. I'm Dan Watts. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. All right, everybody. Thank you so very much for staying with me through that very brief break. Uh, don't forget to check out Dan Wass, uh, both the books, uh, <laughs> Bad Guys, Good Guns, uh, just tremendous book series. There's three of them, all worthwhile. Check them out. Pick up a copy if you haven't already. And uh, you know, check out the new stuff going on over there. Dan is really pushing hard. Uh, proud to have him as part of the uh, PSA uh, lineup here at the show now. Uh, now – However, it is time to welcome our second guest of the evening. Uh, you may be familiar with her. Uh, she is the publisher of AllAmericanNews.com as well as currently the host of the new nationally syndicated show, All America Radio with Jennifer Kearns. She has served as the GOP strategist and a spokesperson for the California Republican Party. She also was a strategist with the Colorado recalls over the Second Amendment. Uh, she's a writer, researcher. She's been involved with Fox News, and she's doing her own thing right now, and I'm so proud to have her with us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show for the first time, Miss Jennifer Kearns. Uh, Jennifer, first and foremost, thank you so very much for joining, in this, this, joining us this evening. Easy for me to say, right? <laughs> and how are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. All right. So obviously the new show is uh, doing well. Uh, for those of us that are uh, looking to uh, follow your uh, new show, where's the best places to find you? Well, uh, we have our show episodes up at allamericannews.com. You can just click on episodes, and we also have, as you mentioned, uh, our great news and opinion site there, allamericannews.com. We have lots of news and video from all across the country, including Fox News, Newsmax, some of the great uh, players in the game, as well as original content and opinion. Uh, you know, as I've worked uh, as a press secretary over the last 15 years across the country, I've met so many great people, and I said, you know, uh, the rest of America should hear about that. So that's what we try to feature stories about um, Americans and, and stories that uplift and help all Americans, especially as America is trying to get reopened after the COVID-19 pandemic. 
uh, we, we try to share stories that um, other people can help businesses and other folks uh, getting reopened. Absolutely. Uh, we certainly can use those kind of stories because right now, especially if you're conservative, it's real easy to get down, to be depressed, to feel deflated. Uh, we've got full steam ahead efforts for the uh, so-called progressive uh, wish list that seems to just be getting rubber stamped. We don't have Republicans pushing back fighting hard enough in the Senate. Uh, we certainly don't seem to have too much in the way of speed bumps with some of this really scary stuff. Uh, between the PRO Act and, uh, of course, uh, H.R. 1 and H.R. 127, a lot of scary stuff going on. So good news uh, is in far too short supply, so you're doing a great service to America just finding <laughs> some of those things. Uh, with well, that being you. said, though, there, there's a couple of major stories that I wanted to get your take on. Uh, first and foremost – uh, we've got the Andrew Cuomo thing, and then before I let you go, I also wanted to get your take on what's going on at the southern border uh, right now. But uh, let's kind of start with uh, Andrew Cuomo. He's facing one accusation after another for uh, sexual misconduct, and uh, it seems to be that the real point of the worst aspects of Andrew Cuomo's governorship has been ignored, and that, of course, was his COVID response and the fact that after the very bad COVID response, they worked to cover it up. And according to the admission of certain people in the administration, uh, they started trying to cover it up as a result of their fear of, of a DOJ investigation, which in my mind immediately takes us to uh, obstruction of justice. So it became criminal at that right. point if it, wasn't, if it wasn't before then. But uh, is this a way for Democrats that don't really like him to go after him and not have to acknowledge uh, the fact that he was really bad during COVID? Well, yeah, I, I do think that they are looking for some cover uh, because it blows to bits all of their COVID stances in, in big blue states elsewhere, uh, states like California, uh, especially states in the New York region, right, um, who followed along Governor Cuomo's plan, uh, you would have a, a, a big problem then with uh, the New Jersey governor, Phil Murphy. You would have a big problem if you're Connecticut Governor Lamont. Um, so, you know, remember back when COVID first started last spring, everybody said, oh, we're going to come together with a five-state strategy to beat COVID. Well, you now find out that that strategy to follow Cuomo was actually quite damning and could now take down five governors uh, alone on the Democrat ledger. So I think I think you're right on this. Uh, look, this is not a good news day for Governor Cuomo. And look, we don't just have good news on our site. This is our top story of the day. Uh, it's something we're following dearly um, because remember, Democrats have told us we should hashtag believe all women. And uh, I looked up the definition of all in the dictionary, and it means every single one. And uh, just as we were about <laughs> to go on the radio, uh, there has broken a story of a sixth woman, sixth woman uh, coming out against uh, Governor Cuomo. Uh, she had apparently been summoned to the executive mansion uh, by the governor, um, says that she was touched inappropriately. Uh, in fact, she told her bosses. Uh, at the time of it, and um, and seems to be a very credible witness. She works in the executive chamber, which is like the state-level version of a cabinet in the White House. So this is a very serious person. And again, she's the sixth person to come out 
Uh, and the fifth Cuomo uh, staffer, by the way. So these are all serious women. Uh, these aren't, you know, Hollywood starlets and, and porn stars, such as the people who were accusing Donald Trump, who might have had less credibility. These are actually serious working women who I think ought to be believed. But the problem is that the Democrat Party doesn't uh, walk the walk and talk the talk when it comes to feminism and when it comes to sexual harassment, because now that one of their big stars is being accused by not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six women, they, they don't want him to resign. They, they still believe that he should maintain office. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, understandably so. I, here is a guy who was behaving more badly than Pepe Le Pew in the worst imaginations of those who would cancel him. Uh, I, you mentioned uh, Donald Trump uh, specifically, and it is kind of uh, funny. When you look at everything that Cuomo has done since taking office, he pretty much has done literally everything they constantly accuse the orange man who was bad uh, of doing. Everything they thought he was up to, Cuomo actually did. Yeah, it's true. And look, I, I thank God for that photograph that came out the other day. You're referring to the Pepe Le Pew I mean, he was literally like sucking on his own lip, looking at this girl like she was, you know, some piece of meat. I think if we hadn't had that photo, you wouldn't have the uh, Senate Majority Leader, uh, it, the Senate Democrat Leader in New York State coming out saying he should resign. Now you have dozens of legislators also in the New York uh, Assembly that also say he should resign. I think if it weren't for that picture being worth a thousand words. I think um, they would still be backing him. Now, here's the interesting thing. His approval rating um, is the lowest it's ever been in the Cuomo tenure, uh, down to 38%. That's only a little higher than Governor Gray Davis was in 2003 when he was recalled in the state of California. And, and but here's the interesting thing. Even though his approval rating has fallen in places like New York City, and gosh, we might not be that surprised about it, but in places like New York City, 65% of female voters still support him. They say he should remain in office, even though 44% think that he he did uh, not tell the truth about the nursing home cover-up, and, and they do believe that he did sexually harass women. Still, 65% of women still want him to remain in office. It's got to be a lot of Democrat women. I'd like to know where they were during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings and others. Well, yeah, it is interesting how cities that seem to be controlled by Democratic voters uh, are a little bit more forgiving of people with a D at the end of their name as opposed to people that maybe have that R. Uh, given those numbers, <laughs> do you think that uh, that there is a situation brewing where maybe Cuomo might have to change his current plan of just trying to ride it out? And if he still refuses to resign, which is where he's at right now, uh, do you think there's a political will to try to force him out? Well, look, they're trying to right now. You know, when you've lost the, the faith and the leadership of the uh, Senate party that you're, you belong to, the, the Senate leader of your own party, that's pretty bad. When you've got dozens of legislators sidling up next to you saying, hey, buddy, you've lost all support here in the chamber – that's pretty damning, but, but here's the interesting thing. Uh, it, unlike in the state of California where you do have the recall provision and you do see that making a difference in California, you notice Gavin Newsom hasn't been dining out at the French Laundry, hasn't really been um, 
locking down any more places. In fact, Gavin Newsom's actually looking to do the reverse. He's actually looking to open up places. There's a rumor on the street that, that they're going to open indoor dining soon in Los Angeles, probably in the next two weeks. That's going to be significant. That's not happening in and of itself and in a vacuum. That's happening because Gavin Newsom is under a recall attack. So here's the problem with this Cuomo situation. You don't have the recall provision available at the gubernatorial level in the state of New York. So Cuomo knows that if he doesn't step down, uh, no one's going to force him to. No one. Literally, the voters can't force him to. The Senate uh, Democrat leader can't force him to. The dozens of legislatures can't force him to. The only thing they can do at this point is to run an impeachment trial against him so they can do two things. They can get to the bottom of the nursing home data and possibly they can have these young women come testify uh, in an impeachment hearing. How embarrassing would that be? I think that might be the only thing that would get him to uh, step aside voluntarily. Yeah, they definitely don't want uh, all the dirty laundry aired, especially when you're still denying all of it at this point. All right, uh, switching yeah. gears real quick. Uh, we uh, we definitely have a challenge. <laughs> okay, let's call it what it is. It's a crisis at the border. Uh, we've not had a lack of crisis in the border uh, in a real fashion in a long time. We've had some of the better numbers we've seen. Uh, while the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, uh, yet the climate arsonist <laughs> Donald Trump, when he was in office, uh, we probably had our best southern border uh, situation in decades, uh, at least since Reagan, yeah. and it wasn't great under the Reagan years. But now we've seen this complete total reverse, and the expectation is of the folks that are trying to come across is that the border is wide open. Uh, we now know they're not conducting COVID testing, which uh, you would expect a Democratic – uh, administration to be concerned about because that's one of the uh, control points that they're using. Uh, we're seeing some of these uh, districts now absolutely begging for help. We're seeing Custom and Border Patrols uh, begging for volunteers to come assist them. We're seeing a reaction where we've got a complete failure of federal governmental responsibility there. Uh, I don't think any legitimate fair-minded look at this situation calls it anything less than a crisis. Uh, is this a mess that they're even trying to get a handle on right now? Well, look, I think they're trying, but they, the competency level and the desire to, to do so is, I think, lacking. Um, look, you, you look at the numbers during the Trump administration, uh, they – Illegal immigrant crossings were actually down 53% to 76%, depending on which report you read. And so I, I think there's – it's one thing to say, no, maybe people didn't like President Trump. He was too brash. He, oh, build the wall, all this stuff. Hey, the guy's policies worked, and they worked very well. Uh, if you uh, look at the uh, reports out um, by the Border Patrol Union chief, uh, Brandon Judd at the time – said that Trump had done something that they hadn't seen in a generation, which was to immediately halt the flow of illegal crossings at the border and nearly halt them. Um, and he also said that he gave uh, great um, enthusiasm and courage to the Border Patrol officers themselves. Um, I saw a statistic today that said um, they, the Border Patrol comes across now 
78,000 migrants per day at the border. That's how many they're coming across per day at the border, and that's the number we ought to be ashamed of. Here's the interesting thing, though. Back in 2010, when a lady by the name of Hillary Clinton was a U.S. senator, uh, when Chuck Schumer was a senator as well as he is today, uh, and a guy by the name of Barack Obama, who was also U.S. senator, they all supported a border wall in Yuma, Arizona, and it proved uh, that border crossing uh, proved uh, that it went down significantly when they supported it. And so it's interesting how things have changed for the Democrats, you know, something that was uh, okay for them to vote on 11 years ago, uh, but not okay to support today is quite interesting. And boy, I think you're already seeing the immediate consequences of this failure uh, to build more walls, to have a tight security checkpoints. Um, I think is already beginning to show. And guess what? We're not even 48 days in to the Biden administration. I mean, think of what this border crisis is going to look like at the end of the first 100 days. I think it's going to be quite dismal. Uh, yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, clearly, uh, those individuals, though, uh, they evolved their position. Uh, at least that's what I heard <laughs> from a credible source. Uh, it is astounding, but it really does come back from this false mentality, though, of compassion. They're doing the exact opposite of what compassion is, and they put in place uh, these policies that encourages human trafficking of children, uh, that encourages the separation of these families and the endangerment of kids. Uh, do you see any evidence anywhere that folks that were kind of leaning a little to the left but weren't full-blown leftists are starting to see this? Or do you have any hope that maybe with this current onslaught uh, that began just before Biden took office where these folks think the border's wide open for them, uh, are they starting to, to clue into this? Or are we starting to see a shift, do you think, where more people are going to realize it's far more compassionate to have stronger uh, border control and better vetting? Well, look, I think there is a portion of the Democratic Party base that is seeing exactly the same thing happen that happened, you know, at the beginning of the Trump administration, uh, where you had, you know, kids in cages. And that that really started in the Obama administration. Um, look, they're doing some of the same things that they so heavily critiqued Donald Trump for. And I think that was a real aha moment for the Democrats when they said, aha, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Um and their explanation for it wasn't really um, sufficient, I don't think. And, and I think Jen Psaki um, is having a hard time at the press podium. And I say that as someone who has been at a press podium uh, for the better part of 15 years in some very blue states, very tough states with very uh, tough press corps. Um, but look, here, here's what I find most interesting. Uh, there's got to be some percentage of the Democrat Party, many who were very pro-mask, very pro-vaccine, very pro-lockdown. I know many of them and spoke with them throughout the COVID-19 pandemic uh, that, that were very nervous that their next-door neighbor wasn't wearing a mask, that someone at the grocery store wasn't wearing a mask. I mean, we see these videos on TV of people literally fighting in grocery stores because they're not standing six feet apart. Yet this is the same group of Democrat voters who, no problem, will let tens of thousands of people in through the southern border every day, 
uh, from countries who don't have health systems as good as ours. They're clearly subpar health systems. Um, they're not wearing masks. You can see them clearly on the nightly news, on the videos of them streaming in. And they certainly don't have vaccines in most of those countries. And they probably don't have a rapid uh, COVID test at the border is what I'm guessing. Uh, but they'll let those people in. And so I think Democrats really have to do some inner soul searching here of who is more important because this is a time of choosing. This is a time of saying, look, if we want to keep our communities safe and our uh, schools open and our, our communities healthy, we're almost out of this COVID pandemic. We've got to keep America strong, keep America open, but we can't let that southern border be open. we got to close that off and make sure that our people here are safe and, and, and free of disease and free of all of those things. And, uh, and I think they really need to look at their uh, soul in the mirror and make sure that they're protecting America as much as they are people from other countries. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we are uh, quickly running out of time, and I hate that because I've really enjoyed the conversation, and there's so many more topics I would love to talk to you about. Uh, but let me ask a real quick question on some breaking news. Breaking right now uh, on Newsmax, uh, they're saying that there's a possible move to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Biden. Uh, just real quick before we uh, uh, before we wrap up, uh, your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't have a lot of details, uh, obviously. Uh, this is just breaking, but uh, was this something that uh, you had expected? Uh, is, is this early, uh, or are you surprised uh, by that? This is this is earlier than I would have expected, but Nancy Pelosi sort of telegraphed where she was going to go with this when she said um, that they ought to update the guidelines for what happens when you do invoke the 25th Amendment against the president. You have to uh, allow the vice president to step in along with a panel of Congress members, of which Nancy Pelosi would be part, to determine who the successor would be. And that would be the vice president, of course, and, and to determine just how you know insane or physically unfit the, the person is to hold office. Um, so I think this was coming. I think they knew this was coming. Whether or not it goes anywhere and gets legs, I don't know, but but it's clear to me, and look, I'm not a person who has talked about Joe Biden's age. I'm not an ageist. I'm not a racist. I'm not a sexist. But I think it's very clear to the American public just in the last couple of weeks with Joe Biden out on the trail that he cannot keep up with the schedule. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know of whom he's speaking and sometimes to whom he's speaking. And this might be something that they may eventually have to look into. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for bearing with me with the extra question for the breaking news. We'll see how this pans out over the next few days, obviously. Uh, those of us who are news junkies uh, uh, will be uh, following it very clearly. I, I want to thank you, Jennifer, so much again for coming on with me tonight. I greatly appreciate it, and uh, the listeners uh, uh, certainly have been enjoying it so far based on what I'm seeing. Uh, so remind everybody one more time where they can find your work, and uh, please feel free to share any social media. Uh, and any other websites you might want to have out there for folks to find your work. Great. They can just go to allamericannews.com for all the latest uh, news and opinion of the day nationally. And um, at social media, I'm still hanging on by a thread, but they can't get rid of me yet. I'm at All American Gen and All American Radio if people want to check it out. 
All right. Again, thank you so very much. And I really do hope we can get back together again sometime soon. Uh, obviously, there's going to be no shortage of things to talk about over the next few years. Uh, thank you so much, and keep up the great work. Indeed. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, ma'am. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Miss Jennifer Kearns. Uh, there is a link in the show description if you're at BTR uh, for allamericannews.com. Please check that out. And I want to thank Annie for sharing that little bit of information that uh, breaking on Newsmax as we were live. For those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast, this, of course, was on a Tuesday night. Uh, March 9th, so it may be a little dated by the time some of you get to hear this, but thank you, Annie, for sharing that in the chat room. Uh, uh, she said uh, – Annie uh, said that she uh, predicted to be under six months. I was saying all along I didn't think it was going to take very long at all. Uh, it's still taken longer than I would have thought uh, if they move forward, uh, and just like Jennifer said, I absolutely agree uh, that uh, – and we talked about it here on air previously that uh, when – when Nancy Pelosi was talking about the 25th Amendment and trying to make these changes, uh, they weren't doing that, planning on trying to remove Trump. They were preparing for the Biden ascendancy. Uh, I firmly believe that. In the meanwhile, uh, I want to mention real quick, uh, if you're not visiting conservativedailybriefing.com, you should. Uh, check out uh, – the news outlets there, the stories written by Ken Crow and uh, some other uh, great uh, contributors, myself included, uh, as a contributor, not necessarily one of the great ones, but uh, appreciative there. And one of the projects that uh, Ken has got ongoing, and you can find a link to at conservativedailybriefing.com, is the Create Change Now movement. It's uh, something new. Uh, please check out createchangenow.org. Uh, it is something that they are moving towards to try and help reunify uh, conservative bodies that uh, have been separated a bit uh, due to, well, I'll say letting the good, uh, letting the perfect become the enemy of the good. In the meanwhile, I want to also thank everybody who was hanging out in the chat room with me today. Thanks, guys, for being here, and I want to thank each and every one of you for listening all the way to this point. Thank you. You made it to the end. Another successful outing for me. Thank you so much. In the meanwhile, please, please, whatever else you do, don't take anything I say as gospel. Don't take my word for it, but definitely, definitely don't take the other guy's word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly to use your brain if you really – want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, you know, be smart out there, even if it goes against your nature. I'm out for now, but I'll be back Wednesday night where I'm scheduled to be joined once again as per norm on Wednesdays, Ron Edwards, and scheduled to have Dan Perkins back on. I need to reach out and make sure that we're still on, uh, but uh, Dan now has agreed to make a reoccurring uh, every second Wednesday of the month, uh, so we'll be visiting monthly. At least that's the plan. So uh, join us, please. Uh, check out the podcast later if you can't be here live. And you know, uh, have a great evening, everybody. I'm out.
is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Now in Hitler, Mao, Amin, and Pol Pot, they told us things that you never forgot. Is using both hands Well I prefer the three oh eight to the tiny two to three Gives me more than a thousand yards to take my family With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.